You're listening to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast with me, Natasha Sanishevsky. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Oh Come On Sports Podcast, hosted by myself, Natasha Staniszewski, over here in Calgary, and Big Al over in Toronto. This is the, I think this was our fourth take, Al, to get things it going is. this morning. Yeah. We're having computer problems. I can't pronounce my last name. <laughs> I had to clear my throat. Uh, I, have ba- I have bad so language. Far. Yeah, it's been a tough <laughs> morning so far. <laughs> you dropped an F-bomb within the first 10 seconds, so we're starting fresh. And hopefully this fourth time is a charm here. How, how are you doing? How are things going over there? In Everything Florida? is amazing, uh, really well. I'm I'm a huge fan of fall as a season. Okay. You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like when the weather gets a little bit, not too cold, a little bit colder. Um, and the nights starting to get that way in Toronto now. So yeah, I'm a I'm I'm a happy guy. I like this. I like the season probably the best actually. Are you like a super? Uh, do you like really, really hot temperatures or are you more of like a kind of a sweater and, you know, sweater and scarf person? It's a good question. I do. I love summer. I love the heat. I love lying in the sun. I love all that. But I agree. Fall is a little bit hard to resist as well. Uh, and it is full on fall here in Alberta. I would say it was cold yesterday. I had my puffy jacket out. No I way. I my toque. Oh yeah. It was the wind. The wind was just whipping straight off those Rocky mountains right into my face when I was going for a walk last night. So, I mean, it's Puffy jacket. Warm, right? Oh no. Yeah. Oh, that's no. no, that's horrible. I mean, as much as I like fall, it's the opposite for winter, right? When that, when that real first snowfall and that real first kind of um, wind chill hits you, it's uh, it's, it, it, it's a sad day, especially in Calgary. I'm sure I haven't spent much time over there, but I know the, the winters can be pretty harsh over there. Well, and I guess that's what, living near the mountains is all about, right? I guess the weather is a little bit more volatile. Like it was literally snowing in the mountains yesterday out in Kananaskis, just a few flakes, nothing big, but I can see it on the snow tops now or the oh mountain tops that I look out my window. But the way it is around here, it has the potential, like the temperature could go up to 25 next week. Like you just never wow. know. It's really up and down. So well. yeah, it is what it is. I'm learning to adjust to uh to the new weather situation out here. <laughs> now you had uh, you had uh, a 10k, I believe, right last I weekend. Did. I think you were running in. How did so? Give us the update. How'd that go? How were you feeling uh, before and race. after? Yeah, yeah. It was that was out in Banff, so basically in the mountains. And I almost wore a toque for the race. It was early in the morning, <laughs> so it was cold. It was nine degrees and chilly, uh, which is actually perfect running weather. At least it didn't rain so that was good but it was a little chilly but um the race I mean it was good I I barely trained for this which was I was a little disappointed in myself I just I didn't have the time I uh I'm not making I guess I am making excuses it was it was a tough race let's just put it that way I mean, it's, there's have you run a race ever do you know what it's you like? know not a no not a 10k I'll be honest and and like I mean as you say you know you feel bad because you didn't train for it appropriately the fact that you could do it without training for it necessarily is i mean that that's a that, that's a testament to you know that's a testament to you and to the work you're putting in well i appreciate that i i mean the longest i got up to a 9k once like a few weeks okay. ago before the race which if you can do a 9k you can do a 10k but i guess my mm-hmm. issue is i used to bang off 10ks no problem like i've run a couple of half marathons 10ks be no problem for me but i hurt my hip a couple of years ago and i took a whole year off of running and ever since then i've been a bit of a wuss and i can't seem to get myself back into running shape. so this was the first time i ran 10k 
in about two years. So wow. I guess I should be proud of myself just for that alone. But I was slow, Al. It was what slow. is it a was it enough to motivate you to continue to to you know to maybe get back into it at all? Or was yeah. it like a get it out of the way and let's get back to uh, back to our Sundays of watching football? Great question. You would think so. It kind of was, but when I was out for my walk last night and the wind was blowing me sideways, I was like, <laughs> I don't want to be out here running. Like, I'm so glad the race is over now. Cause if I was still out there like running and training or whatever, I don't know. I'm a baby. I'm a baby. <laughs> I know we talked a little bit about, but, uh, about winter sports before. And I know you mentioned you used to participate in some, are there any winter sports you're looking forward to, you know, now you're in Calgary right now. You got mountains all around you and all kinds of cool stuff around there. So is there something you really want to do this winter in terms of like uh, getting outside and getting into the, uh, getting out into physical activity? Well, I, I was looking, um, I was thinking about joining a curling league. Actually. I saw a sign the other day. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm a big curling fan. I love watching it. I've just never curled besides once in high school. And so I, now that I don't work nights anymore, like I wasn't ever able to join leagues because I was always working nights. Now I don't work nights. So I'm like, I could join any league I wanted to. So I might do curling, but I need to do something to keep me a little bit more active than just curling because curling is not super active, obviously. So I don't know. I might do basketball, (laughs) volleyball. I think I'm going to have to learn how to ski again. I haven't skied in probably 15 years. So that's going to be a must. I'm a little bit nervous about that. I'm a lot nervous about that, to be honest, but Okay, but hold on. Hang on. Back to curling for a second. So, <laughs> the look on your I'm, face. I'm, is no, incredible. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I'll be honest, because I've never, you know, I I didn't know there were curling leagues. To be honest, I, I I I'm sure there are some in Toronto. I just never been into it. Um, and you, so you curled in high school. It was you had high school curling. No, no, like a couple times. Like it was one of those okay, sports gotcha, that okay. they had in gym. Let's try curling for like one gotcha, day. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. Um, so is curling like the equivalent of? slow pitch in the summer where you just yes. drink a lot. Is that, is, that's what I'm getting in my head here. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. That is okay. exactly what I believe it is. It's super gotcha. social. There's a lot of bevies passed around. Uh, I don't think it's super serious. I think that's kind of what happens at these things. So I'm like, okay. I don't know many people in Calgary. I need to meet some people. So I thought that would be sure. a good sort of social thing to do. But yeah, in terms of exercise, I don't know if you actually get your heart rate up there. Although <laughs> if you're brushing, I know Ben Hebert, some of those guys would disagree. If you're brushing away, um, doing it properly, your heart rate will go through the roof. But I don't think it happens at those during those leagues. So, Well, as I think of, I mean, I've watched a little bit of curling, I suppose, in the past. It's all, it's on constantly, right? So obviously people do like it. Um, and typically curlers look like they're in pretty good shape. So I guess, I mean, there is, right. There's, there's, you think about it, some of them, some those guys and girls are both are obviously in really good shape, big arms, obviously. So uh, yes. maybe it is, maybe it is quite physically exerted. You'll have to, you'll have to let us know after your first league night. Well, I think we should have Ben Hebert on our show at some point. He won totally. that gold, obviously at the Olympics. And he was one of the first guys who they sort of changed the game. I think they changed. Well, we can get him to talk about this, but I feel like he was on a team that sort of really took the exercise thing to a whole other level. And they were like the first team that came out with those, with muscles. Like you yeah, said, totally, right? totally, and totally. So we will have to talk to him about that for sure. We'll get him on here at some point when curling starts. Very interesting. We'll have to do a, a live remote podcast from your curling night league and have you we can actually see you that would be awesome right see you actually yes. okay what would you prefer to do be and i don't know if there are certain positions in curling excuse my curling ignorance here um does this does the person who throws the rock also brush at certain times or do they rotate around or is it like a dedicated position well the skip would be the skip is the last skip. person who throws the rocks skip. there you go see you know you've heard the word before i knew that 
Um, and they would not brush unless it was like an emergency situation. <laughs> they would have gotcha. to, and they would have to jump in. But generally, the skip, I don't believe, does not brush. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. So would you be so would you like to be a skip or would you be more of a brusher? Just last last question. I'm I'm so intrigued by curling, but this is the last question, I promise. <laughs> That's a great question. I don't know if I could handle the pressure of being a skip, right? Like if you're the skip, it's I mean the third as well, but generally you're the skip, you're throwing the last two rocks. So you generally should would have the most impact on the game. I don't know if I have the touch for it. I don't know if I have the nerves for it. I'd have to try. Well, I mean, we're joking about, you know, the slow pitch equivalent, but to be honest, those skips are pretty damn precise, right? I mean, the, 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 the math that must be involved in the way they're curling rocks around and the angle, which they're shooting stuff and the way they're rotating the rockets, it actually looks like it's a, it's, it's quite difficult. So uh, I didn't mean to, you know, show throw any shade at curlers, but no. I mean, it looks like quite a skilled sport. It is no, yeah, it is not easy by any stretch. I love watching it. I love watching the precision. I don't, Yeah. I don't I cool. think it'd be very tough to get to that level of those Olympians. Um, but we'll see. We can do, yeah, serious. Natasha learns how to curl. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so you were running a 10K, which means you didn't get a chance to watch football week one of no. NFL last week. Did you get a chance to watch any any football? Unfortunately, I did not watch anything on Sunday. I watched the Monday nighter or the end of the nice. Monday nighter, which was obviously um, crazy and maybe the best game of the whole weekend actually right it was amazing it was unbelievable right it was uh yeah it was uh i heard people talking about game of the year and week one oh. but yeah you know it was it was it was quite amazing oh sorry i'm taking a drink of my smoothie as i'm trying to be healthy here to see my beige smoothie I'm trying to get back on the health train with my running and my smoothie um i thought yes. it was a pina colada at first actually but okay oh. it, it kind of it looks a little bit like a pina colada over there just in a regular glass but okay no, we'll take your word for it. Spinach, Greek yogurt, protein powder, and some tropical fruit. Vodka. So that brings us to beige. Anyways, sorry. I got to focus here and I'm not <laughs> drinking my smoothie. So, yes, the Ravens lose. Uh, so now this sets up a pretty big game against the Chiefs, obviously. Absolutely. Right? And you and I were both – look, you and I were both taken by the Chiefs last week, weren't we, right? Yes. So we made our first picks of the year last week, and we were both – um, we were both on the bills at minus six and a half. So to win by six and a half points. And we were on the chiefs at five and a half, I believe was the closing number. Uh, and Natasha, we went over two last week. Right. Um, yeah. So we didn't do that well. Well, I'm like, I'm okay with the chiefs, I guess, because we still picked the winning team. Right. So okay. I'm yeah. okay with that. But what happened to the bills? What happened you to Allen? When we talked last week about his MVP odds and how, you know, potentially overvalued, we thought he might have been. Uh, and the Steelers, who weren't really expected to be, you know, all that much of a threat. Right? I mean, kind of a bunch of new rookies starting and an offensive line that doesn't necessarily kind of cut the mustard in the NFL. Uh, but they really made that Bills offense in the second half look really pedestrian. Like there was that they couldn't move the ball at all. And it was uh, it was quite surprising. I think uh, I think I don't think many people picked the Steelers to not only cover the spread, but to mm -hmm. come back and win the game. I think, uh, you know, they scored 17 unanswered or something towards the end of the first and the second half. So it was, uh, it was quite a surprise. Okay. So the bills lose no need to panic. I don't think, although, I mean, it's like they almost found a way to lose that game. However, now they're playing Miami. Yes. They won five straight versus the dolphins. So what, what's the, uh, what do we, should we pick this game again? Now I'm, now I'm stuck on the bills here. Okay. What's you know what? Well, so the line right now is uh, bills are a three and a half point favorite um going into miami which is 
you know, in the, in the world of betting, a, a kind of a home underdog is always kind of an attractive proposition because typically right. a road team going into an uh, going to another stadium and, and being a favorite is you know is typically right for an upset. But uh, but look, I mean, the Bills, you know, I, I think I think they the offense definitely needs to bounce back, doesn't it? And 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 Miami had flashes last week, and they played New England uh, last week, and I think they uh, they lost seventeen sixteen, I believe. Um, so, uh, so yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting, but I think, you know, no team, especially the bills don't want to start. 0 two. That's, uh, no. you know, that's, uh, you're already kind of starting in the hole at that point. I'm sure there's some stat out there that says a and two team only makes a playoff X percentage of times, whatever it is. Uh, so it is an interesting game for sure. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm making a pick here. I, this is, okay. remember I told you last week how I always like to go with the underdogs. Yes, I'm doing it. I, I I would go with Miami in this game. Yeah. Okay. So so that's our that's our one our one pick for this week. One of our picks for this week. Sorry, it's going to be oh. Miami plus three and a half against the Bills. And we're taking the points here, right? We don't think Miami's going to win. We're taking the points. So say they're going to they're going to not lose by more than three points. Is that crazy? Probably. There's no way the Bills will lose again. But you never know. You never know. That's the that's that's the fun of it. That's <laughs> right. But and look, you also mentioned the Chiefs, right? And so the yes. Chiefs are so the uh, the Chiefs are taking on the Ravens this week, which is a huge matchup. Two of the most electric quarterbacks in the mm-hmm. game, and they get to play on the you know one of the biggest stages in the Sunday Nighter. Um, do you have any thoughts on that game? What do you What are you thinking? Well, I just I don't know. I feel like the Ravens are such a risky pick always. Like Lamar Jackson, all those fumbles last game, like they they kind of lost that game. You know, they gave it away a little bit, I would say. Um, and I was doing my research on this Sunday nighter, and I saw that they are uh, Lamar Jackson's 0-3 against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, which is... Look at you with the betting trend. Oh, well yeah. Done. But, which I think is pretty telling, isn't it? To be, like, they all three games, they got behind, uh, the Ravens did, and they couldn't get back into it. And I just, if it comes down, obviously it's Mahomes versus Jackson, and I would take Mahomes any day of the week. You know what? I think uh, look, you make a good point, and I'll, I'll throw a stat out there as well. And it's uh, so the the uh, the Chiefs are four and one against the spread the last five times they've been in Baltimore. And I think you know I, it's always this quarterback versus that quarterback, but in reality, it's this quarterback versus this defense. So they don't line up against each other. Right. But the Chiefs have had a really have had you know have had Lamar Jackson's number, um, especially yes. over the last few games. I think last year. They held him to under 100 yards throwing, I believe. Uh, I believe is what it was. So uh, I, like you, am uh, am a believer in the Chiefs. However, we have mentioned before, home underdogs, you know, especially home underdogs that can play defense and can typically run the ball. Look, I think the Chiefs got exposed a little bit last week. I don't know if you again, you didn't have a chance to watch the game. I was sat on my couch watching that entire Chiefs uh, Browns okay. game last week and. The first three or four drives the Browns had, they really were bullying the Chiefs and they were running the ball and just running the ball down. The, I think they scored on their first four possessions. Um, so I think there's, you know, I think there's a little bit of uh, upset potential. I think if the Ravens had their full suite of running backs who weren't, you know, they have three of their starters or three of their their top three in terms of depth chart uh, uh, in terms of running backs are, are all injured right now. So yes. um I'm going to go with you as well with the Chiefs, but again, reluctantly. I know, and so in sports betting, we often talk about unit betting, right? So you have one to potentially five, and those are confidence intervals. So okay. a five-unit bet would be one that you think I, I am sure this one's going to happen, and a one-unit bet would be, uh, you know, well, I, I'm fairly confident in this one, and that's it is typically a a baseline of bankroll management in betting, which is a huge concept. 
Uh, and in this one, I yeah, unit it bet? is. Okay, I've never heard that. A unit. unit. Okay. You know, check it out. Check it out. And the entire concept of bankroll management in sports betting. Um, some of the, I was lucky enough to work at uh, a sports book that is commonly regarded as the professional sports book. It's the highest limits in the world, uh, and I won't say any you know, any specific names right now. But I got a chance to see how you know the the professional betters really work. And to be honest, Natasha, a professional better will only pick you know six and a half out of ten games right. Like even still. Um, they're still losing three and a half to four games every week. But the key for them is bankroll management, understanding which bets kind of are hit at the limit and which bets are a little bit smaller and, and, and you know, kind of understand the variance between your units. Uh, and that all comes down to bankroll management. It's a, There's a whole scientific study around it. So have a look when you get a chance. It's really, really wow. cool stuff, especially if you like the, the math. So anyway, that's a long way of answering your short question. Uh, I will be on the Chiefs with you as well, but I think this is like a one unit or two unit for me. I don't have a whole ton of confidence. I think the last two games we've seen the Chiefs, they've had one good quarter, right? And this was the fourth quarter of the uh, of the last game. So we'll uh, we'll see, but it'll be interesting to talk about next hey, week. Hang on. So Baltimore's Baltimore is at home, right? Correct. Yes. And what's the line? Right now, the Chiefs are three and a half point favorites. Yeah. So you're picking the road the road favorite. Now I'm second guessing. <laughs> um, okay, I'm sticking with the road favorite. Okay, so so we got favorites. Miami covering against Buffalo uh, at three and a half yeah. at home, three and a half points at home, and we have the Chiefs going into Baltimore on the Sunday nighter and beating the Ravens by more than three and a half, three points. Oof. Okay, I yeah, like it. I'm in. Okay, how about this? I like one, it. one more game. I think this. Okay. Is, I'm pretty sure this is a no brainer. But just your thoughts on the Lions and the Packers and the way Green Bay lost their first game there with Aaron Rodgers, looking like he was not super interested or energized. That was not pretty. I don't know who picked that. That was one of those games last week that I think surprised everybody. It surprised me anyway. There was a couple like that. There was there was that one and there was the, uh, the Cardinals rolling over the Titans last week, which was a bit of a surprise. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you would expect Aaron Rodgers to come back and, and you know, kind of be the Aaron Rodgers of old, the MVP that we saw last year. Uh, but I, it comes down to motivation, I think, doesn't it? We don't, we don't, we don't know like if he's really, really invested in this being his last season. I think you know, I, I have, I have the unfortunate uh, situation of having Devonte Adams as my first pick in my fantasy draft this year, oh, who did dear. nothing last weekend. Yeah, oh, exactly. So no. that, so we'll see. And on the other side of that, the Lions were getting smoked by the Niners. I don't know if you saw this; they were down like 30, 35 points, I think, and actually rallied back to get to within being able to tie the game uh, kind of with, with a minute left. So we'll see. I would, uh, I would actually, so where that game is in green Bay though, right? That game is, is Detroit at green Bay. I believe um, so. So what's the line? Yeah. On that one? The line right now on that is, I'm just have a look, make sure it hasn't changed in the last, uh, in the last few minutes here. Huge favorites. Do they not? They are huge favorites. They are 11 and a half point favorites right now okay. uh, at home. So yeah, you are absolutely right. So, but would you feel comfortable with them winning by twelve points or more? Well, is is that a comfortable bet you're making? That's my question. As a better, like, what's what's the value in in betting this game? I guess unless you're betting on Detroit, right? Then you're not making a lot of money if you bet Green Bay, right? Is it even worth putting money down if if they're that huge favorites? Well, you know what? I mean, just to 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 put it into to you know dollars and cents for you. So if you take Green Bay to win this game, which is called the money line. Yep. And you put a hundred dollars down, you would make a whopping fourteen dollars and twenty eight cents. Um, because okay. the odds say that you know where the, that they're pretty likely to win. Now, 
if you feel comfortable that Green Bay is going to be, you know, be able to to win by this uh, by by the by the twelve points that we've talked about, then that same um, that same hundred dollar wager returns ninety dollars. Right. So you're almost you're getting, it's, it's essentially one to one with a little bit of the commission taken out that the sports takes. So you can see the difference there. If you have faith in in the Packers being able to to, to hold on by 12 points or more, um, there's a significant return. However, you feel they're just going to win the game. Yeah, you can make 14 bucks on your hundred. So it kind of makes you wonder, is it worth actually making that wager? Yeah. Okay. So is it worth making that wager to you, Natasha? What is it? No, I gonna, would not no? even go to that game. No, I wouldn't even okay. I I don't think there's a chance in hell that Rogers loses this game. So I wouldn't even bother putting money down in my opinion. We'll see. We'll see if I, and that is your first kind of example of bankroll management where you're saying, look, the potential risk versus the potential return doesn't justify the, you know, the value for me. So it's, it's a game you don't take. Um, And I think it's, so you are beginning your journey as a sports better, Natasha. (laughs) Here we go. Okay. I'm excited for my two picks this week. I feel this weekend, I feel a little bit more invested since I was wrong the first to with my first two this the first weekend first week one because i can't speak um so yeah into it this weekend for sure we'll see i think i'm gonna, let's see. I'm gonna win both let's um, see let's see have you been watching any baseball i know we have uh, a guest today as well right we haven't talked about our guest yet i was just going to say we were planning to talk all about the blue jays as well though we're we're running into a bit of a time crunch because we also have a guest on the show mike soroka a uh, pitcher for the Atlanta Braves, born and raised in Calgary, is coming awesome. on the show. Unfortunately, he is injured right now, but that means he has a little extra time on his hands. So he is lovely, was lovely enough to accept my invitation to come on the podcast. So um, I have a million baseball questions for him, including about the Blue Jays. Um, and small, uh, here's a secret. Uh, I, I don't like baseball. I don't, I'm not into it. I. It's probably one of my least favorite sports, to be super honest. I do love the playoffs, obviously, I love the World Series. I'm totally into that. But the regular season is so long for me, so I normally am not a baseball fan. However, the Blue Jays, you can't ignore them anymore. At least I can't ignore them anymore because they are tearing it up. And they might actually make the playoffs now with the way they're going. Have you been watching any games? Are you into it? I'm I, I'm, I'm kind of like you in that, uh, not necessarily the playoffs, but this time of year when September starts and the playoff race is starting to tighten up a little bit. Uh, I do get involved a little bit more. So I have been watching over the last little bit. And it seems like, you know, Groundhog Day, because it's always the Jays and the Yankees and the Red Sox fighting it out, as it is again this year. And they're all tied right now, right, for that first wild card spot. So it's such an exciting time. I think the Jays' bats are coming alive. And I don't know if you watched the game last night, but Robbie Ray, who is our, you know, hopefully our shoe-in for Cy Young this year, it really, really, really should be, uh, had an absolutely dominant performance. 13 strikeouts and no walks. Which, uh, which is, you know, kind of an amazing stat, I think. Yeah, uh, threw 101 pitches and 75 of them were strikes. So the accuracy this guy has is just, you know, it's out of the league. He's a lot of fun to watch and his emotion and passion for the game is really evident when he's playing mm-hmm. uh, and he's in the dugout and stuff. So it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. So I'm excited by these guys getting hot at the right time. Uh, and I, uh, I, I am a betting man, as you know, and I, uh, I have put a future down as of this morning, actually, on the Jays to, uh, to, get, that, to get that wild card spot. Okay, you're reading my mind exactly. That's where I wanted to go with this. What are the chances of the Jays actually pulling this off? Because I was looking, I think it was August 28th, according to Fangraphs. You know Fangraphs? I don't know how accurate these people are. (laughs) But the odds to make the playoffs at that point were 4.8%, which is practically zero. And now it's jumped up to over 66%. So if I was a betting woman, would I be putting money down on the Jays right now? 
Yeah, that's a uh, that's a, it's a it, it's a great call. I mean, we know that uh, you know we know the Yankees and and the Red Sox, uh, you know, have have both been spoilers in the past, right? For lack of a better yes. word. But there is another good stat, and that is the Jays have 16 games left, and of those 16 games, 10 of them are against Minnesota and Baltimore, who are the bottom feeders of these divisions, right? So we are really positioned well. I'm going to say we because I'm going to make myself an honorary Blue Jay today, but we are really positioned well, I think, to, uh, to to nab that last wild card spot. And what I love about baseball is once you're in the playoffs, it's a it's it's a whole new game now, right? It's it's uh, it's the all the, the 162 games of regular season kind of get wiped away, and you get to start uh, start from scratch. And any team can win for sure. Yeah, and I think you just I think that's the key stat right there is the 16 games, 10 against last place teams. Yeah. So the Jays can absolutely do this. They just need to take care of business against those last place teams. And then who knows against the Yankees and Rays, they've just beat the Yankees. Uh, they swept that four game series. Yep. So if this team can just, they just need to keep that confidence going, that brashness, is that a word? That I think it is. And I think it's a suitable, I think it's a suitable word as well. Right. I think, absolutely. I think, I mean, the, uh, look, the run that Vlad Guerrero Jr. has been on, on the last yes. little bit is an absolute terror. And it's almost a travesty that he's, you know, probably not going to win the MVP um, because of what Shohei Otani is doing. who's just absolutely changing the game. But I have some stats up here right now about Vlad Guerrero and his his kind of performance so far. So in you know his league, he's first in hits, first in runs, first in home runs, third in RBIs, first in total bases, first in batting average, first in on-base percentage, first in slugging percentage. So, right? so there's uh, – I dug a little deeper into the research here and found out there has been – in the in the past, there has been twelve different players who have led their league in what's called the triple slash category, so average on base percentage, slugging percentage, and have not won MVP. It's only happened kind of twelve times in the past, and okay. no matter the no matter how amazing his stats are, you can't. I mean, Shohei is just this right. I mean, I, I, he should win MVP for sure. The guy is just doing. The guy's you know putting a Cy Young caliber season together on the mound. Your second in home runs, twenty three stolen bases. It's it's amazing what he's doing. If you ha- if you had a vote for MVP, and let's take away the you know the, the Blue Jays aspect, would you be going kind of Shohei, or would you be going to uh, to, to the traditional batting stats? I would be going to Shohei. I think he's just. I don't know, like the definition, most valuable player. I don't know if he is actually the most valuable player for his team. I think you can make the argument for Vladdy if you're looking at the award that way. I don't know if people actually look at the award that way. I think they just look at the best player, I think, is how it shapes up. And I think you have to go with Shohei. It would take a lot for me to to not vote for him. So I think that's how I think that race is going to shape up in the end. But shout out to Vladdy for the season he's oh, having, though, right? I mean, come on. The guy, the whole team, I mean, uh, Hernandez is hitting the ball well. Uh, Bo Bichette came through again last night. I saw a stat again yesterday that Bo Bichette is, uh, with runners in scoring position, hitting over 300. With runners in scoring position, two out, he's hitting over 400. That's, I mean, that's 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 the clutch hitting you need, right? Especially when the playoffs come around. So the, if these guys, if the bats are jumping up and we get the starting pitching we've seen, you know, over the last 10, 15 days, whatever it is, uh, there's no there's there's no ceiling to how far these guys could potentially go. So we'll uh, it's going to be an exciting September and October uh, once the Leafs get started up again fairly soon. Our preseason hockey is not too far mm-hmm. away, and Raptors are coming back fairly soon. So we're going to have lots of fun stuff to talk about. 
Okay, with that, uh, I think we should bring in an expert opinion on some of the things that are going on going on around in the league today. Uh, let's bring in Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves, who's born and raised in Calgary. Mike, thank you so much for doing this. How are you? Where are you right now? What's what's going on with you? I'm good. I'm actually uh, in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, just around the corner from Lambeau Field. The uh, surgeon that I went to both times here, he's got uh, his operation, his PhD staff, and uh, they're kind of running running point on most of my rehab. So uh, check in here every once in a while and get to work. Are you going to the Packers game this weekend, by any chance? I mean, (laughs) while you're... Why wow, you're steps away from Lambo? Are you taking advantage of the opportunity? Not this time. Uh, it's uh, on Monday. Um, it's actually kind of tough to find uh, a stay around here. Uh, I can't stay at the Lodge Kohler. Usually, it's usually booked or uh, rates are a little, little high um, <laughs> when the when the Packers are in town. So maybe gotcha. maybe towards this off season when it's uh, nice and cold here. Very cool. So- Mike, you mentioned your rehab. We'll get into that in a minute, but I kind of want to go back to the beginning um, because I was reading up a little bit about you and you mentioned that you grew up basically on a golf course, one that I'm doing some work with right now, Springbank. Your dad played hockey. He played in the dub and yet somehow you ended up a baseball player. How how did that happen? Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> I mean, my dad played, uh, he played at the University of Calgary as well. Um, so I grew up obviously idolizing him and then uh, the Flames, when they made their run in 04, um, I fell in love with wanting to be a goaltender because Mika Kiprasov was, I mean, he was the man. Um, that was kind of every kid around that that time frame. Uh, they had to start cutting goalies from Springbank minor hockey because there was just so many kids that that wanted to be there. So Really? Um, yeah, I, I guess I just kind of fell out of love with skating around my little crease. Um, I think if had I stayed playing as a, as a player, as either defenseman or a winger, I probably, I don't know if I ever would have quit hockey. I, I always enjoyed shooting pucks in the basement on the driveway. Uh, I was always kind of begging our coaches to, to let me play out on, on a couple of games every year too. Um, so I don't know. It's probably because I was a goaltender that I kind of fell out of love with it and uh, just got to naturally gravitate to baseball. Um, I spent a lot of time on the course. Uh, like I said, he was a founding member at Springbank Lynx. Um, so we spent a good amount of time there in the junior club and uh, whatever we could in the summers. But once baseball got a little more serious, the, the golf game started to decline and didn't really get back into it till I got to pro ball. Okay. That actually makes a lot of... So how old were you when the Flames went on that run? Uh, 2004, uh, I would have been like seven, eight. Okay. So that kind of stuff for sure stays with you, I think, right? That makes a big impression on a kid. Definitely. Definitely. That was that was an exciting time. And uh, it's been a time I've been waiting for ever since. <laughs> right. <laughs> you and me both. I'm an Oiler fan. So our last run was 2006. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I feel your pain. Hey, I'm, I'm a Leaf fan here, so don't say anything. <laughs> oh. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah, not exactly. You guys have nothing to talk about. Uh, Mike, when did you know that? Like, at what point did you know that it, like baseball was going to be your thing? Like that you were kind of you know above and beyond everybody else. And was there an age that you kind of really realized that, man, I, I got to take this seriously? Um, yeah, I think I took it seriously more because I wanted to more than anything else. And I think it was probably the year after that um, that I, I mean, I was just always I was always at the facility. I was always hitting throwing, taking ground balls, whatever it was. I, I just loved it. And, uh, that year I grew a bunch. Um, 
you know, 15 to 16 for most boys is a pretty big year. So uh, I started throwing quite a bit harder and started getting some looks, made Team Alberta, I guess, the, the summer of 2013, and then Team Canada later that year on the junior national team. And um, I mean, it, it really just took off from there. That's that's when we started to see that, you know, we could get my uh, education paid for in college at a, at a big division one school. And that was always kind of the dream for my dad, I, I, I think, is really just getting that experience because that's what he had at the University of Calgary. And uh, I still think that's some of his uh, his most fun times were in college. So he was just excited for that to happen. And then uh, I kind of just kept progressing and then came the draft and uh, the rest is history. Were you a Jays fan growing up? Uh, once I got into baseball, yes. So that was the year basically I got into baseball was the year that uh, Bautista started hitting all those home runs. Um, which is kind of cool because I got to play with him. Uh, I guess my first year in the big leagues when we signed him towards the end of his career. And um, I kept it pretty quiet, actually, that I was Canadian until he kind of figured it out on his own. Oh. And then he looked at me and he, he knew. He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, you watched me when you were growing up. But I was like, yeah, I did. <laughs> so that was pretty good. That's awesome. I love it. Um, so, yes, you were drafted in 2015, uh, first round by the Braves. You made your major league debut in 2018 with uh, Noah Syndergaard pitching on the other mound. What do you remember from that day? What was that day like for you? It was a good day. Uh, I was lucky. I had a couple days to get uh, some family and friends in town. Um, so I got to have my dad and uh, a stepmom there, as well as one of my sisters. Um, you know, we just went for breakfast at Grand Central Station, uh, just across from it. And uh, getting to make your debut in a place like that's I mean, pretty cool. You can't do it in a bigger place, really. Um, so... Uh, I mean, it was kind of a whirlwind of a day, but I really think I did a pretty good job of taking it all in because I, I remember quite a bit of it. I think a lot of people get get through it and they're like, they don't know what just happened. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think what really helped me that game was I actually got to hit at the plate first because we batted around in the first inning. Um, and so I got to basically make my entrance into the game as a hitter before I ever even threw a first pitch. So by the time I went back out to the mound, it kind of just felt like another inning had rolled over and um, yeah, it was a, it was a good game. That's cool. Yeah. That you get to get in there first. Where do you, you seem so composed to me and calm. Have you always been like that or or has it taken a while to sort of develop that (laughs) mental game? You're laughing and I want to hear why you. (laughs) It's, it's it's always a work in progress. Um, You know, it's tough because being, being quiet, being really, really calm isn't always the most fun. And that's kind of the the balance that you teeter on because you take things too seriously all the time. All of a sudden you stop loving what you do. And that's how I got into it was loving what I did. And um, for a long time, I actually wanted to be a closer because I loved watching the guys get all fired up, angry and come in, throw a billion miles an hour and, um, (laughs) you know, kind of save the day. Um, I just found that 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 wasn't exactly me. I couldn't get out there and be all hyped up and angry. Even though I thought it was pretty fun, uh, I just wouldn't be able to execute the same way. I might be throwing a little harder, but it doesn't really matter at the big league level. I think we're starting to kind of come back to that a little bit. Uh, we had a velo craze here. Obviously, in baseball, everybody's kind of starting to throw a little harder. and um, The hitters are starting to adjust to it. So um, I definitely think my game is better suited to more of the calm composed side um but it's a work in progress like i said i want to make sure that i keep enjoying it 
So you tore your Achilles last year. You were rehabbing along. Everything was going great. I think you were nine months into it. And then last, was it June? You tore it again, correct? Uh, yeah, June. Yeah, June. Yep. Um, oh. Yeah, so that, this it's been a whirlwind of the last year, really. Um, especially, you know, honestly, uh, after the first time, you kind of take it as, as it is and, and you get to the point where you realize that as a high-level athlete, things are going to go wrong sometimes. If you go through a career without a major surgery, you're really, really lucky. So I figured it was, you know, just my time and uh, I was going to take it as I could and, and, and be better from it. But um, something just wasn't quite right from the start. We just didn't really know uh, until activity level got real high uh, running and agility and all that kind of stuff. And I actually threw in a spring training game. This is the last game of spring training. Things just started to kind of get inflamed, a little angry. You know, I couldn't do my workouts um, without it getting angry, basically. And uh, we went for a clean out, which basically revealed that I had a reaction to sutures that were used the first time, which was super rare. Um, and it just it didn't get the chance to do what it wanted to do as far as healing. Um, so it, it still shocked us when it happened the second time. Um, but it, it's almost it's almost like it needed to happen to be able to start fresh. Uh, so they added a graph this time. And um, so far it's looking really, really strong and uh, like it should have the first time. So it's been, uh, it's been nice getting that, that done. I hate to belabor this, but I, I just, I mean, you have a great attitude about it, but this is, it's basically doing the exact same rehab twice. Is it not like how frustrating is that? Or are you kind of made peace with it at this point? Yeah, obviously the hardest part about our jobs in general is dealing with failure. Uh, and even though when you look back, there's not much that you could have done differently. Obviously you learn little things along, but knowing that, you know, it wasn't your fault, even though it still feels like failure, right. um, was getting past that was pretty difficult. And, uh, the first month or so after, you know, wondering how this, this next time was going to be different. And, we took a bunch of precautions in the surgery, uh, post-surgery to make sure that everything's going to be quite different. Um, and it, so far it is. Um, so this time it's been, it's been pretty liberating to know that, you know, this is what good is supposed to feel like. Um, and then just kind of going from there and seeing results every day has been a lot of fun. Well, we hope you get back out there immediately ASAP. Basically, you were obviously pitching so well. You had such a great season in, in 2019. You were named the opening day starter in 2020. Um, I mean, you've already had all these, these, I don't, is that accolade the right word? I don't know. That's a pretty big moment for you. Is that, would that be your, the highlight of your career so far? Or is there anything else that stands out more? Um, you know, I say that the, probably the most fun accolade, I guess you'd say would be just making a start in the playoffs period. Um, obviously throwing in the all-star games, pretty different, uh, being in that clubhouse is, is pretty incredible, but, um, making that playoff start after watching playoff baseball, because I feel like it's a sport that really comes to life in the playoffs. I know a lot of sports, obviously growing up watching playoff hockey, playoff hockey is pretty long when you think about, you know, four, seven game series. Uh, whereas baseball, you start with a uh, you know wild card game and then a five and two sevens. 
um, it, it's just a different feeling. It, it's different. And I got to do it in a place uh, in St. Louis with a really, really good crowd, a crowd that's into it always. Um, that was probably the one I'll remember forever. Um, and that's a feeling that I chase, I'm going to chase over and over again. Um, it's probably the hardest part about being down, honestly, is um, seeing the team that, I mean, they, they should be playoff bound here. That's, that's been the goal every year. And uh, not exactly being able to take part in that and help them out is, is probably the toughest part of the whole thing. But um, yeah, th there's so many things. And uh, I think the biggest challenge for me coming back is to make sure that I'm doing the little things, uh, not really focusing on the big goals. Um, I know in 2020, when I started on opening day, I wanted to match DeGrom. You know, he was on the other side. Yeah. I wanted to be as good as um, and, and look like I belonged. Um, and, you know, it's a process. It, it takes time. So um, maybe one day, uh, but I got to focus on the little things to make sure, uh, you know, we stay on track this time. You mentioned that all-star game uh, real quick. What's what's the most memorable memory from that all-star experience, which must have been uh, just kid in a candy shop kind of stuff for you? Yeah, that that was honestly the one. I said the debut, I did a good job taking things in, but the all-star game was the one that was a bit of a whirlwind because you know, you're feeling so many things. It was technically still my rookie season because uh, I just hadn't passed enough. And uh, you know, I hadn't thrown enough innings, but... Uh, you know, that's one when you're in that locker room and you look around and everybody's got patches on their shoulders showing how many all-star games have been to. And, you know, you see a few like you with one, one couple with two, three, and then you see, look over, you see Kershaw with like eight or nine, <laughs> Scherzer with eight or nine, you know, that that's when you're like, okay, you know, you're, you're with the real big boys now. And uh, yeah, that, that was probably the one where you just kind of sit back and you have to think, you know, what, what did I do to get here? And, um, you know, what do I do to, to, to stay here? Cause that's, uh, that's what you want to be a part of. Who do you, uh, which pitchers in the league impress you the most? Did you sort of have someone that you try to emulate? Um, you know, I don't know if you can reveal so that many... now that you're in the league, is that allowed? Are you allowed to talk about that? If you still <laughs> yeah, definitely. Heroes? definitely. I think, um, you know, it, it varies depending on what you're looking at. Uh, I think everybody over the last couple of years has been in awe of Jacob deGrom, um, what he's done physically and, and his stuff and his command. Um, as far as that goes, I mean, it doesn't get better. Um, I've actually been really impressed, really, really impressed with Charlie Morton on our, our team this year. Um, you know, he's, I think, 30, 36, 37. Uh, and in the, honestly, in the same respect, Max Scherzer, what he's doing uh, for a playoff club in L.A., uh, after getting traded and really coming to life again. I mean, he's pretty well as good as he's ever been. And at the very end of a, of a huge contract, uh, just doesn't happen all that often. And uh, I know how much work he puts in. I've got to see it from a, from a distance down in at Cressy sports performance in Florida. Um, I mean, it's awesome to see that there are guys that still, still take pride in, you know, putting their, putting their nose in the dirt and, and getting after it every day. And, and that's what he does. So, um, you know, it, it's been a lot of fun watching Scherzer pitch, but from up close, it's been Charlie Morton for me this year, to be honest with you. Cool. What about hitters? Who do you fear? Facing? Do you <clears throat> no, uh, definitely, definitely not 
fear anybody. I mean, that, that's, that's not a, um, yeah, that's not a thing. I mean, if you, right. to me, if you're pitching in the big leagues and you're, you're scared of somebody, then you got big problems, but, um, guys that, you know, can do damage every time. And you know who those guys are because they kind of tend to have a different discipline of the play, different attitude. They look like they're hunting to do damage on every single pitch. Um, you know, a lot of times once you get up on hitters or you think, you know, they're off a certain pitch, you know, you've got them, uh, or you can kind of tell that they just don't see things properly. Um, but I think everybody around the league right now is admitting that, you know, Juan Soto is, is going to be one of the better pure hitters. I think this game might have ever had because he's, he's just on another level of discipline, his eyes, um, you know, we, I'm sure we could talk about his antics, uh, everything <laughs> else, especially given, uh, you know, the history with the Braves recently. Um, but I mean, he's just kind of on that next level where, you know, you have to, you have to execute every pitch. Uh, and those are the guys you want to face. Cause that's, that's what you want to, you want to compare your stuff to the best. Why not? How much research do you put into preparing for these hitters, like reading their body language, knowing their patterns? You must study them constantly. Uh, I do not actually. No, um, no, really? I actually let, um, I like to let instincts play in the game. Um, okay. That's probably, probably due to my hockey background. And um, you can go through so much, you can go through a wormhole really uh, on analytics now. Um, and until guys have seen you many times over I, it's tough to to really do too much scouting report because they just don't know you uh, every every fastball is different everybody releases the ball differently some guys just don't see the ball out of certain guys' hands like it, it's it's different i could say you know juan soto just seems to see me but at the same time you know you could face somebody i've never faced mike trout but i don't know what he sees until I face him, you know, I could face him and realize he just doesn't see my change up, you know? So there's no point in, in doing too, too much until we get a good report uh, on, on them versus me. Um, And then when that day comes, I think, yeah, then you start to go look back and look at body language on certain pitches and you make mental notes of of little things you see. Um, You see when guys, are taken aback by a, an OO breaking ball and much point in going back to, to really overanalyze video for me. Uh, I just like to go out there and let it play during the game. It actually makes a lot of sense. I feel this early in your career, you just have to worry about yourself more than anybody else at this point. Yeah. And, and even honestly, later, it really doesn't matter at a certain point you got to execute. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one thing that's kind of gotten lost over the last three, four years in baseball is pitch execution. Um, you know, we watch Jacob DeGrom, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer, all you want for their stuff, which is elite. I mean, it's as good as it gets, but the reason they are as good as they are and year in, year out is because of execution and command. Um, they do it day in, day out. And, and, you know, that's why they see the success and the numbers that they do not just because they they throw hard or they have a good breaking ball because you're starting to see that it's pretty standard in baseball now, but there's still a wide gap between who actually has the who actually has the success and um, you know who's you know just putting up regular everyday numbers. Mm-hmm. 
So how closely are you watching uh, the playoff races right now? Are you really into it or is it tough for you to watch? No, I am. I am. Uh, this year has been, been another one. I mean, um, everything that's happened in now, obviously our, our division has been pretty crazy this year. Um, because you, you really have three teams that are, are pretty close, uh, for the majority of the year, obviously the Mets, the Mets held point, but we went on that run, uh, which we knew we were, we were kind of due for. Um, but it's been actually a lot of fun to watch from a distance, what the Blue Jays are doing, um, all year. I mean, really everybody knew Blue Jays were the team that was like, you know, they'll put up 15 runs on you in a hurry. Uh, and they don't necessarily need to keep it within two, you know, they'll, they'll hit their way to the, to the wind. So, um, we knew that was close, especially given their run differential, you know, at one point they were only a few games above 500, but their run differential was on par with all the other top teams in the league. Uh, so you knew it was kind of just a matter of time and, um, you know, they got some really good pitching from Robbie Ray down the line too. It's, it's been cool to watch him, uh, succeed like he has. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a good time because I know when the Blue Jays are doing, doing good things, that means good things for baseball in Canada as well. So in your expert opinion, are they making the playoffs? You know, they just seem to have so much young steam. Uh, I know what we felt in 2019 with a lot of young, young contributions. And I mean, everybody's kind of debating. It's probably the favorite debate right now is, uh, Vlad versus uh, Otani for the MVP race. And I really don't think it's as clear cut as, as a lot of people thought for a long time. Because if Vlad comes away with a triple crown and basically driving his team into the playoffs, uh, it's pretty tough to turn down, uh, in my opinion. Um, you know, it's a tough one. So I would say yes, uh, and they're a fun team to watch. And hopefully, uh, hopefully they meet us uh, in the World Series. It'd be it'd be a great matchup, Braves, Braves Blue Jays. All right. Uh, we will get you out of here right away. I have two more questions for you, two non-baseball questions. Give me your prediction now on Flames and how they're going to do this season. Do you still, <laughs> are you still into it? Do you still follow them closely? Or? I do. I, I haven't followed too much as far as off-season moves go. Um, you know, the, the most information I get is usually off Ryan Pinder uh, whenever I'm on his show um, or I'm listening to him. He, he's usually got some good takes. Um, we'll see, uh, again, I think we're a team that's going to start to get younger here. Uh, obviously we lost our captain and, and Drew Dano and, and obviously somebody that we all looked up to, but, um, you never know. I think Vegas kind of proved that, um, if you get the right group of guys together it can happen. So I'm always optimistic and you never know. They take off hot and make some moves at the deadline. We could be right in her again. I feel like that optimistic attitude, you have to have that as a hockey fan. In this <laughs> Otherwise you just can't even, you can't even cheer for these teams because it's, it's just every year. It's so disappointing. <laughs> and being negative. I should it's I tough. be more optimistic. It's tough. Yeah. Like I said, I, I think it's, it's different because sometimes you don't know when something could click. I think it goes for everybody, but baseball is a little different because you can kind of look at a team on paper and you know that a lot of those guys are going to post numbers. Um, but you never know when contribution is going to come from a hockey team, uh, cause it is much, much more team atmosphere than baseball is. So, totally. um, you never know what they're, what they're missing sometimes. And maybe they found that piece. We shall see. Uh, now that I'm in Calgary, I just moved here a couple months ago. So my last question for you is 
any hidden gems here that I should know about things to do, restaurants to try, fun things to, to check out? I'm actually really bad with restaurants. When I find something that I like, I kind of <laughs> torch it. Um, and I honestly get it a lot from people when they, they find out that I live in Atlanta. They talk about the barbecue, but uh, Hayden Block, Comrie Block, which I'm sure you've probably been to at this point. No, not yet. Oh, no? All right. No. Well, Hayden, Hayden Block down in Kensington. Um, that's that's probably, probably my best one. And then there's a shawarma place, a donair place around the corner, too, for late night eats, if, if that's what you nice. want. So Got it. It's always okay. a go-to. Perfect. I will definitely check those out. Well, Mike, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And good luck with the rehab, man. We are pulling for you. Um, you had such a good run when you're out there and we are, I know everyone in Canada is cheering for you, hoping to see you back out there soon. So good luck. Uh, good luck with getting back out there. Thank you so much, guys. Always a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. All right. There you have it. Mike Soroka of the Atlanta Braves. Um, Man, I feel for him and that Achilles twice injuring it like that. That has got to be tough. But like I said to him, he seems, I mean, he comes across very composed, very totally. mature. He seems like he's got a handle on this. And I sure hope he does. Because like I was saying at the end, he was so much fun to watch in that rookie season when he was just uh, pitching so well for the Braves. And you're all, we're always cheering for the Canadians, right? So get back out there soon. Yeah, absolutely. His, uh, I, I mean, I like what you just said. His, just his composure and everything. It just, it seemed really even keel and stuff. So I think you can kind of see that in his game when he's when he's on the uh, field. His comments around being a starter versus a closer, and you know, the idea of getting yeah. hyped and passioned up for that one inning. That's, that's very interesting. It seems to play into his personality. It's really self aware of him to, you know, kind of identify those traits and be able to use them in kind of in, in his profession. So very, very interesting conversation. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, we'll be pulling for him to, to get back as that. I mean, two Achilles, the same Achilles and back to back years. That's, that's rough, man, but he seems to have a great attitude. All right. Well, we wish him all the best and I guess that's it for us. I'm going to wish myself all the best with these picks that I made in the NFL. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I'm, I'll be watching. I'll be watching closely this week. And hopefully you will be as well. And we'll, uh, well, hopefully we do better in week two than we did in week one. And I'm pretty intrigued to see where the baseball race is seven days from now. I feel like it could change so much. So yes. we will, we will revisit that obviously next week. Uh, can't just can't wait to see where the Jays uh, fall into place at that moment in time. So that's it for us. Thanks everybody for having a listen. Have a great weekend and we'll talk to you next week. See you later. You're listening to the, Oh, come on sports podcast with me, Natasha Sanashevsky.